Next Chapter Podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to new Hundreds more to go And in need of a friend The king of peace for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end with my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. Oh my god. The song's Demolition Man. This is number 323 out of 500. Ghost in the Machine by the police. This is the 500. All right, so uh, let's talk about stuff that I have going on. April 3rd, I'm doing a goddamn comedy jam for the 50th anniversary of the Comedy Store at the Comedy Store with Bobby Lee, Jeff Ross, Maj Jabrani. It's Andrew Santino. It's going to rule. April 9th, if you're in Connecticut, uh, we're doing the goddamn comedy jam at Wall Street Theater. Uh, I will also be streaming it so you can see it anywhere in the world. April 18th, I'm doing a Shimmy Shimmy Ya at the Comedy Store in Los Angeles. I will not be there, though, but you can go. It's going to be a dope show because I will be at the Nashville Comedy Fest April 19th doing a goddamn comedy jam with Kid Rock and Big J Okerson and Chris Porter and a bunch of other dope people. And then the rest of the week, I will be at Moon Tower Comedy Festival uh, doing jams, stand-up. I'm doing a live 500. It's one of the best festivals in the world. Just for laughs, Moon Tower. Uh, So we want to see you there, man. Oh, and then the end of April, early May, I'm doing Netflix Fest in Los Angeles. I'm going to be in L.A. a lot. I just got back, and I already got to go back. Yeah, man, come to one of those shows, joshadammyers.com. I'm doing a taping for Netflix. It's all there, all the tickets. Do you want your questions read on this podcast? For $5 a month on Patreon, I will read your questions and you will be a part of this podcast. I don't see any of this money. I don't get paid for the show. There's people that work on it. Fucking give it to them. So maybe then I can start making money from it. But I'm just letting you guys know, I will read your questions to Neil deGrasse Tyson and Gavin Rossdale and everybody else. Patreon.com backslash the 500. Dude, this, the last, the thing that I recorded was way more energetic. This is what you get. This is what you get, because I just did the whole thing. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I even had a hashtag, because I took a Tums in the middle, and I was like, does anybody else experience VO burps? Because the second I sit down to talk on a microphone, I get indigestion. And then I was like, you know what? Here, we'll find out if you listen to the podcast. Hashtag VO burps. V-O-B-U-R-P-S. Let me see them. We're still doing that. The police. Dude, I did a whole thing about them. This is what I got right now. This is our fourth podcast about the police. 
each guest has gotten better and better and better. And we do not disappoint the one and only Kate Flannery. She is Meredith Palmer on The Office and honestly, one of the coolest, funnest, is that even a word? Who cares? She is. She's funnest. Just a great person. We had a great time talking about this band. We had a great time talking about The Office. Uh, It's a goodie. Raid, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on all platforms or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple, leave us a rating. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Go to joshadammyers.com for tickets. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well... Not left to say, but here we go with number 323 out of 500 with Ghost in the Machine by the police. We are talking. Do, 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 some odd episodes I've done of this podcast, like three people have joined in on the singing. What? You? People. What? You? It was you. Who else? Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Senator John McCain. Wow. (laughs) I'm kidding. Oh my God. Hilarious. My posse. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Those are your homies. Those are your homies. <laughs> me and John, I mean, he passed away. Right, just, you know, me and Neil, we talk about A couple hours ago, I, was, uh, I had a seance. I was talking to McCain, you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so so we've, I feel like we've been trying to get you on for this. And then when this popped up for the police, our, our booker, Emily. Big shout out to Emily. We love you. Love You're Emily. the heart and soul of this podcast. Without you, I would quit 100%. <laughs> um, but... You know, when she said that you were a police fan and then this record is the one that we've done because Adam, how many police albums have we done so far? I feel like we've done all of them. So oh. this is the fourth and final time we're talking about oh, wow. on the 500. So, and they had how many records, how many records did they make? Uh, total. I got to look that up off the top. You got to be quicker, dude. This is only an hour podcast, bro. So 448 was Synchronicity. Uh, Outlandos de Amor was at 428. Regatta de Blanc was at 372. Uh, on the 2020 re-rank, uh, Synchronicity jumped up to 159, but none of the other albums made it. All right, so are you are you from Philly? I'm from Philly. I okay. am. So I'm, a, I'm a bar owner's daughter. My dad owned a bar, but the, the, the jukebox was gone by the 80s, so I can't say my dad introduced me to but I, I, I'm, I graduated from high school in 82 and, you know, the, I mean, I used to go down to University of Pennsylvania and um, uh, drink at some of the bars because uh, when I was in high school, yeah. Because uh, they would basically, you know, I had a fake ID. I think I had my older sister's like, um, uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, there were. So, it, hey, dude, yeah. I, have you heard the stories that I've told on this podcast about me doing horrible things? You'd be like, <laughs> you using a fake ID is fucking nothing. Well, yeah, but I mean, it, yeah, it's just, uh, I just feel like uh, as a bar owner's daughter, my dad was very disappointed because I got caught like right after senior week after graduating. Some, like I lent the, the, uh, my ID to a friend of mine from high school and she, she gave it to my dad while he was cutting the grass one more. I'm like, what? Like, why would you return it to my father? I wasn't, I was like, oh my God, when I got home, my father was furious. Go to your room. 
Get out of your room. Get out of your room. <laughs> you're grounded. You're grounded. You're not, you're not watching the birds play on Sunday. No. We're not going to veteran. You got to you stay in home. No more music, hon. No. <laughs> None. No None. more music. All right. You can listen to the Hall and Oates greatest oh. hits. <laughs> I did. I was actually, a, I was a Hall and Oates fan, but for different reasons. I love Hall and Oates, but I'm telling you, their their lyrics do not hold up. I'm just saying. What do you mean? Uh, some of their some of their lyrics, like after like creepy. two, some of their songs, like I'm sorry, but I feel like I feel like their '70s music had a little more gravitas after Private Eyes. Some of the songs just got a little silly. I mean, I still love like I love Band some Eater. of it, but some of it doesn't hold up. The Police, however, had this kind of like intense. Uh, like they were they were kind of like a, they were punk new wave. Like they were at the end of the punk era, like, I don't know, they were- Well, they're, they're no, so, 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 so not to cut you off, but they're, so they're formed in 77. Their right. debut record comes out in 78. Uh, Adam, d- double check all of this math that I'm about to say, but from what I've learned from doing this podcast, you got punk kind of coming out in the late 70s. 77 sounds, it reminds me of some big year that the Ramones went to London or some shit and sure. it changed everything. And so, so really, and, and punk and, and, and I guess post-punk is starting up right around this time. I don't know about New Wave. Um, so Adam, check that. But yeah, so th- their first record is a combination of punk, cool. reggae, and, and like, I wouldn't even put New Wave in it yet, but yeah, it's coming they, out of that. They had a street cred coming out that most didn't. I mean, I just think that... You know, I saw them, I saw the Synchronicity Tour um, live. It was like 114 degrees, JFK <laughs> Stadium in Philly. Uh, it was REM, who nobody knew. I actually had their, I had their, uh, their first album uh, on a cassette. I have to show you it's a cassette. Uh, and then uh, it was REM, Madness, and Joan Jett opened for the police. Please, wow, like, that's a show. Great, and then... A couple years later, I went to Live Aid, which was like, um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I mean, I obviously wasn't in London, but I was one in Philadelphia. I lost my yeah, friend. Not the same. <laughs> not the same. Everybody else has got Queen. I know, right? Who was at Philly? Check uh, well, Adam, find out who. Got, like, they came over on the Concord with, I mean, like when Tina Turner came out, so did, so did um, Mick Jagger and, and uh, Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, people like, you people know, I mean, played both. Yeah. Yeah, but I have to say I went to the bathroom during Madonna. Sorry, you didn't miss anything. She just gyrated on the floor with like with cone titties. Was she doing cone titties back no, then? Free cone titties, hon. No, no cones. No cones. I already know. I could already tell by the first five minutes of us doing Philly accent. If they're if you're doing Philly accent within the first five minutes of podcast, it's gonna be one of the best episodes. And people that don't like this accent, you can go fuck you. You can go fuck yourself. You can go fuck yourself. Okay. <laughs> All we care about is 2018, the Birds Super Bowl champions. That's all I care about. <laughs> so, so I, so you grew up. In, what was in that jukebox? Like, maybe as you were growing oh up, like what was in you there? No, actually, we had all the. He would bring home all the 45s. So we had like, I felt like you know that uh, KTL record, like Goofy Gold. We had all those. We had all the 45s of like Goofy yeah. Gold, but we, like Alley Oop, and like TV We. Itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, yellow polka dot became. But we also had like early Beatles, early Beach Boys. Like my dad, like he took home all the good stuff, you know. Uh, yeah. And I actually still have a bunch of the 45s, I'm happy to say. 
Um, nice. We also had like the holiday records, which was like Bing Crosby singing a million <laughs> Irish songs because it was an Irish bar. And nice. uh, like, you know, Jingle Bell Rock uh, and- um, The staples. You know, yeah, all the staples, Brenda Lee's. <laughs> the Christmas staples, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. You know, all is on, on the little DECA 45s, you know, the classics, pretty great. <laughs> Bobby Helms, so, I, so, so then, so then, where did the police come in, though? Because you know, you like who well, introduced? You know do you remember like that moment? I do. I remember being in high school, and and remember, I remember like a bit of a graduation, kind of going like, okay, this is a little more physical. Because I also was like a theater. You know, I was doing like musical theater. Actually, working you, in- yeah, you doing what? musical? Th- I couldn't tell. I have I know, no right. idea. Although, although I have to say, once I started to study in college, I was like, "Where am, nobody has my sense of humor. I think I'm out of this. I, th- I don't think this. I, I think I'm, I think I'm out." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I studied for two years, and then I, I I transferred and like ended up studying just acting. But uh, and who knew an acting degree? What what a great degree to get! Uh, all it did was ensure that I uh, could get a restaurant job because I I I had a degree. Yeah, but it paid off. You but, paid for know, ultimately, it. Ultimately, you ultimately, for ultimately, ultimately, no, no, no. Ultimately, I yeah. I paid Harrisburg years <laughs> for that loan. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, so what were you saying? So, so like, so you remember graduating? And, I just remember, and, you know, the music, music becoming more and more important. It was always important in my life, and I'm the youngest of seven kids, so I had the influence of six other people's music all the time. And I really feel like that is a great way to go because you get such a, like my oldest sister was into like Motown. My brother was into Jackson Brown, Bob Dylan yeah, and Morrison. Um, my sister, my third sister was into Joni Mitchell. My fourth sister was into like Linda Ronstadt, Bruce Springsteen. I mean, like I had so many musical influences, like they were kind of everywhere. So I felt like um, I had a really strong musical foundation. And the thing about the police was that I felt like they they were definitely like the sound of the future you know they weren't doing anything that anybody had done before so i feel like this album in particular spoke to me um you know and of course like every little thing she does is magic like that was a that's a it's a catchy fucking song you know i I think it's i think it's arguably one of their best songs i agree yeah i I think that breakdown you know what my opinion before i get into my what i always feel about this record let's 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 focus this on because you're you're hitting People, a lot of people aren't going to like what I'm about to say, so I'm not going to say okay. it yet. Okay. All right. So, what's the first record by the Police that you hear the first time? Uh, Remember, was it Roxanne? I, I, I think it's. Uh, it's probably Roxanne. It's probably Roxanne. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's probably Roxanne. They're doing more reggae. Let me pull up the the list of the records. So that's in that's in '79 when that comes out. Uh, that's Outlandis de Amor. '78. I'm sorry, everybody. It's got yeah. so lonely. Can't stand losing you. It's definitely like heavy, like real reggae. Maybe there's a little bit of punk. There's some new wave in there. Then what is after that? Then you have Regatta de Blanc. So that's they're in the era where they're just churning out records. This is their second hits. record. Hits, hits, hits. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, Message oh, in a bottle. Walking on the moon. Oh, now they're starting to get more into the to the jazzy improv. Then what's after that? What am I missing? Well, then, and then of course, like MTV is like exploding by 81. So they're like, you know, that's when we actually got to see them. And, you know, I mean, um, you realize how all really, they're all cute. I'm in high school. Like, what's not to love? You know, Sting's gorgeous. He's not cute. He'll tell you that himself, I'm sure. <laughs> While he's making love to you for 15 he's crying hours. Crying his own name out during sex. Okay. <laughs> he's which, so... is why, which is part of why I don't go to see Sting now because he has a tendency to improvise 
way too much what he said. He's clearly really sick of his songs. So he wants to sing them in a way that we've never heard before. And all I want is the original version. Like, I'm like, scratch the itch, please. Yeah. Sing yeah. it at least once, like I want to hear it. I'm I that know. person. I'm that person. I love to hear when someone can like just bring it in such a way that makes me feel like I'm like I experienced it the first time. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Ship Rock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Billy Joel. I've seen Billy Joel. I live in New York now. And I go back and forth, but I live in New York uh, and Billy does uh, a residency at Madison Square Garden uh, once a month. And I've already been twice. Uh, I'm going again on Thursday. I'm just going. And, he scratches and, the itch, right? He knows how every to Every itch he knows, is scratched. He knows, he knows. And, and don't get me wrong. I get it. But I also feel like you have to understand that like it's not, it can't just be about you anymore. <laughs> you know, you have fans are like, I'm sorry, but you, yeah, we have to, you can like, just at least scratch it a little bit and then, then you can go crazy. But like, no. I, I mean, the last time I heard sing, sing, sing Roxanne, I was like, what? I'm like, no, 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 I can't. I can't. I he's can't. like, turn out the red lights. Turn out. No, dude, just fucking hit the note that we know, bro. And I understand the whole Branford Marcellus chapter. I dug it. I bought into it, you know, but come on. <laughs> Roxanne is not jazz. Come on. We get it. You hung out with the Marcelluses. You enjoy chicken Marcella. You, you drink Marcella wine. Your favorite movie is Mississippi Masala. We get it. All the masalas. Okay. Just fucking play walking on the moon like a human being. <laughs> Stop fucking with this 45 minute bass solo. Okay, Every tall Wilkinson. So different. I can't listen to what's on these things. <laughs> yeah, well, this is so, so, so I, we've done, I mean, well, like I said, this is our fourth time doing the police on the podcast. And, and I, much like you, you know, I'm, I'm, I was born in 79. So my early memories of the police, which I've said on the podcast before, but we're, we're driving to things with my parents and like, you know, you uh, every, you're in your mother's womb and she's listening on the car. Just my, well, my mom at that point would be listening to Peter, Paul and Mary. Well, I was <laughs> force fed Peter, Paul and Mary by my there parents. I've, one of the bands I've seen more than anybody. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. we, they, they used to play Wolf Trap in uh, the Washington, yeah, D.C. metropolitan area. And I they would, and we went, I mean, there was yeah. 
events. Wow. And we went every, we went almost every year. And, and then eventually I started like, when I got old enough to start smoking pot and I'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to go get a drink. And I'd go around the thing. I'd smoke a little bit of grass and then I'd come back and be like, fuck, now I get it, dude. Now I get <laughs> it, man. You know, and that's, that's like the kind of show where they call weed grass. You know, it's like, they're like, we wrote this song when we all used to be high on grass. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> uh, like, all right, you old hippie. Okay. <laughs> are we burning our draft cards anytime soon because oh my but, god but this is the thing kate was that i i liked every little bit of the hits that were played by the police that i have heard all heard in perpetuity since the dawn of mankind in my life which is like everything do 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 da 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 like so don't good. stand so close i could go on oh, and on and on know, right and and here's the cool thing about the police is that the hits are phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And and so when we started, I'm pretty sure the first record we did was Synchronicity. I did that with uh, Dan Soder and there's uh -huh. a lot of great shit on there. Now, it's very pretentious. It's very pretentious the deeper you go because by 83, Sting is really a very well-read intellectual. He's sure. talking about, you know, Carl Jung stuff or Sagan or one of those dudes. Right, and, right. You know, and he's and what? and but and also by that point, the music was very like it was very jazzy. It was starting sure. to what did you write, Adam? The only police album to to not make the top. Yeah, Zenyatta Mandata. That's right. Adam said the only police record to not make the list was Zenyatta Mandata. So I haven't done that one yet. But we've done Synchronicity. We did Regatta de Blanc with um, with David Wayne from the state. We've right. now we're doing good. We did Outlandish Day Amore, which I'm not going to lie to you. Outlandish Day Amore is my favorite police record because that was one I could listen to all the way through and go, I get it. I get it. I get, I get all of it. It's rock and roll. It's reggae. Sure. It's, it's not too far off. Right. Ghost in the Machine. Yeah. Might be one of the worst records I have listened to since doing this podcast. There's if a couple it's, of songs that are not great, yeah. A couple? You have the first three songs, and I'll give them Demolition Man because I love the movie. And I love the Grace <laughs> Jones version better, but that's, I mean, Grace. Wait, yeah. there's a Grace Jones version? Yeah. Yep. And it's <laughs> it. way better. Get it up there, Adam. Way Adam, find better. it. It's find it right better. now. Yeah. So, so, so give me your thoughts on this record, because I feel like people are going to be mad at me now. Well, like, why do you love no, it? No, 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 no. I'm not mad at you. I, no, it, it's <laughs> not every song is a gem, but the ones that are are so strong that I feel like, and it's also just like, you know, those soundtracks of your life where there's some stuff that I would still skip. I would like, you know, I would still fast forward, you know, I mean... This is this is this is not a perfect album um, at all. Yeah, it's called the Ghost in the Machine, so like you get what you pay for, whatever. <laughs> but dude, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy, Kate. Spirits in the material world rules. Yes. Invisible Sun is yeah, that's a great song. Oh, so good. Yeah. Demolition Man. I, I don't. I don't. I don't hate it at all. Like I get it. Like it's a little long for me. Like at five fifty seven, I was kind of like, "All right, dude, you don't need more." Uh, and I also, like I said, I fucking love that movie with Wesley Snipes and Sylvester. I wish we were breaking that down right now. Like that would, <laughs> I could do a, I could do a three hour podcast about that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm and really, I could talk about Stallone forever. Oh yeah, right? dude. Come on. Was your? Right, I got to ask you this. What's your favorite cheesesteak place in in Philadelphia? I got to ask. Jim's on South Street. I haven't had, I haven't done Jim's. I like Tony Luke's. I like Tony Luke's a lot. 
I don't know what Tony looks. I've never it's been under like a bridge pass. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> do you uh, ever do? Yeah, but the whole gym, uh, uh, Geno's and Pat's like, uh, nah. But they're good late night. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, it all depends on how drunk you are. I also like Delisandro's. If you go to Roxborough, they're really. Awesome. Is where you said Jim's is on South Street, right? Fourth and South. It, is that across the street from Lorenzo's? The, the so. giant, the giant pizza place. They have the giant uh, slices. No, I think it's down the street, hon. Very close, but not right there. God, gotta, I love you. Got to walk. Oh my God, I there's a they call it a Philly taco or a Philly burrito, which is you. I think it's like you go get a Jim's or, or you get a you get a famous cheesesteak, then yeah. you go to Lorenzo's and you wrap it up in the slice of pizza it's called a it's called a philly taco what <laughs> yeah that's how can people in philly aren't fat enough i know how can, them up. how can we get fatter how can we get fatter go to lorenzo's go hey, get two slices i don't want to walk that far honey. i don't want to walk don't make we, me walk we use grandma's uh we'll use grandma's rascal scooter Okay, <laughs> we'll zip it? around. Did you charge it up? You, it doesn't, don't work if you don't charge it. Don't work if you don't charge it, God. Um, but then what I was trying to say was, every little thing she does is magic is might be my favorite song by the police. And I'll be honest with you, the second half of that song, that breakdown, the Kyo, like yeah. I think that is so good that this record is on the 500 greatest albums list for that little section that is in that song. I feel like- Yeah, interesting. No, no, I, I, I will totally give you that. And I have to tell you, I was, I also became obsessed with U2 after this album, after, after like in 80, 82, yeah, 82, maybe fall, maybe, maybe winter of 83. I became obsessed with the war album. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they're similar riffs like there's some like there's like a narrative that that album has that i feel like it feels like i don't know it feels like they were up they're of the same world as the police really i, mean, I can I see that i mean you two also like morphed you know once they got to um you know i mean i don't know by by like 84 they were a completely different band but but I feel like initially there was something very of the same world, you know? No, I, I see that. And I, I mean, like, I, I, I think I was reading some stuff about this that I wouldn't call and maybe, oh no, that was a question. Should we do Patreon questions right now, Adam? Should we drop one? Cause we've got so many. Absolutely. Ooh, All right, let me find one. Hold on, let me oh my find God, one. this is awesome. Hold on, we've got, I've got a plethora of questions, uh, but we do have Patreon. So let me see if I can find the one about political stuff. Hold on. All right, let's do the first one. This is from Roger Downs. How is your Tantra game? <laughs> tantra sex. Ta I think he means tantric sex. Um, yeah, none of your beeswax. None of your bees. Come on, Roger. What are you doing? Mine is pretty good. I'm getting better with the breathing, you know, but we've been working on it for, for years. Um, you know, where you was it? Kill you. What? Oh, here, here it is. Here it is. So the police aren't always thought of as a political band, although one could argue that their name is inherently political and they have a lot of lyrics that aren't about specific events per se, but do okay. have a perspective on how things are in the world. Some songs present a message about peace instead of violence or empathy for one another, always with grace and incredible pop sensibility. Jesus, Roger, this is, you really thought this out after the tantric question. Uh, do you think their message of universal kindness and appeal for unity is better served by this delivery rather than by a more straightforward approach? Good question, Roger. 
Well, I don't know what a more straightforward <laughs> approach is for a band because like if you hit somebody over the head, they're going to need an Advil. I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? Like the message has to be, has to be in a package that we accept like spiritually and musically because otherwise who gives a shit? Sorry. But I do feel like the music has to be, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I, I can't see them doing it differently. That's, this is who they are. I mean, they were never a very political band. They were, I don't, I mean, look, I'm, no. you know, doing, at the height of their heyday, I, I was, you know, I was in my, I in mean, my obviously river. like, don't stand so close to me. Like, I don't even know if that would, that would probably wouldn't even fly today because of the, you know, of me too. Well, and to someone yeah, yeah, yeah. 18, like that doesn't go, but you know, yeah, well, sure, I think I didn't, he, son, sure felt good in the eighties. Right. Yeah, I mean, that song, if I'm not mistaken, is written about a teacher and one of his students. And the video, the video is totally like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. well, there was, you know, I do a joke about this on stage about how, like, we give the, the music industry a pass when they've been sexualizing teenage girls since the dawn. I mean, you know, what's the song by the Beatles? Like, well, she was just 17 and you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Paul, what do you mean? Please explain that. Please. Well, that's when you got to chase after them because they're all squiggly wiggly, you know. I'm from the Willy Wonka style of talking. Um, I don't, you know, look, I, I think where the police, I'll answer this question, Roger. I don't think where the police, uh, you know, pick up on any political movement. I, I think they're, they're more of a band of intellectual property. Like, I, I didn't read all of the lyrics from this record, but I really did a deep dive on, on synchronicity. And I mean, it's, there's some, it's a, it's a, you get a, you get three credits uh, from a community college if you listen to that record all the way through. <laughs> from, uh, from, from Montgomery County, Montgomery County community. Down in Baltimore, right, right out, out of town. Um, um, no, no, no I, I, I buy that. I buy that. But I think that that was really, like, again, I think that that was, I mean, you too was doing something similar, you know, earlier as well. Like they were, they had a lot of messages and it was, and some of it was like very obvious, like Sunday, Bloody Sunday. I mean, clearly there was, they were addressing some heavy, heavy shit. Yeah. Um, but I also felt like they had, like even songs like Gloria and um, I Will Follow, like that to me feels like it's in tandem with the police at the time. Like you can feel that it's like a similar time period. Yeah. And, I don't, you know, Bono's different, but like they still had even vocally, like there was something kind of like they could have been brothers from another mother, you know? No, it's, it's England. They all grew up in like England, gloomy Ireland. weather. Yeah, the yeah. Irish, it's yeah. the same. It's basically. Um, all right. Let's find out a little bit about this record. All right. So. Okay. Just some random facts about the police, everybody. So they they formed in 77. They start off doing punk, reggae, and jazz. By 78, Atlantis Day and More. Then you've got Regatta de Blanc, uh, and which was the first of four consecutive number one records. Uh, their last release um, is in 1983. It sold over 8 million copies. Uh, they've sold over 75 million records worldwide, ranking them among the best-selling bands of all time. They've accumulated six Grammy Awards, two Brit Awards, and an MTV Music Award. Uh, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2003. Uh, there was a short reunion in 2007 and in 2008. It became, okay. uh, they were the world's highest earning musicians for 2008. Did you go to that tour? Uh, I, I did not. I, I, I was just at the Synchronicity. That's the only show that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I would have gone. I, yeah. I was, 
I'm, I'm, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I started saying to myself, you know, if a band is coming around and they're getting older, and even if I'm not a huge, huge fan, like I, yeah. just, just go, just go, so you can say you I saw. I know, them. but I have to say, like the improv nature, I was not that. I mean, I'm not, sorry, I was holding. No, it. I get it. I saw some record, pre-recorded thing, and I was like, "What is this? Yeah. Stop <laughs> improvising!" Uh, but I'm also the person that I literally went to see Plaz Johnson play. Uh, this is probably like 12 years ago. I went to see him play the theme to the Pink Panther because he's the original saxophone player on that. Yeah. And, and then he was there and he was playing it and I was losing my mind. And then he goes, this is another uh, little tune I recorded originally for the movie, The Odd Couple. And then he started playing the theme, The Odd Couple. And I was like, I'm losing my mind. Oh book. my God. Play the theme song from Charlie Brown's Christmas. He's like, I didn't write somebody, that. You're like, fuck it. it. Like, right, he was the original uh, sax player. So, like, when somebody he hit every note, and I was like, oh my god, like, I needed that, but I did. But I get, I get what you're saying. I, but yeah. I also feel like it depends on the on the tour because I feel like sometimes you don't want it to take away from your earlier experience. You know what I mean? And some of them do, especially if somebody has a heavy agenda or if they don't get along anymore or yeah. it's just like weird. You know, was, I feel like, well, they'll go out on tour no matter what, you know, they'll just like prop anybody up and be like, oh no, we're back together. Well, sort of one out yeah. of three, whatever. It's kind of weird sometimes. It is weird. It kind is weird. How, how was that show? Uh, it was hot as hell, but awesome, you know? Yeah. You know, I think it was like literally 114, but that was like one of the first times REM was touring. And that was like way before, you know, their original album was so different from the rest of their music. Yeah. And I, I, I still, I mean, I, I am a fan of REM, but I feel like it, it got a little, once we got to like shiny, happy people, I was like, this is not exactly my vibe. Yeah, but then they went They went with, um, after that record with Shiny Happy People, I think they started getting darker again. I remember like Ebo the Letter and, there was, you know, they were, they were, the REMs. Yeah, yeah, no. It was, it, the first album was more my, you know, it was wasn't speed. all my goal. Yeah. Um, but this record, this record, Ghost in the Machine, it's a police fourth studio record released in 81. It was a top five album in 10 countries, including the UK and number two on the US Billboard chart. It was certified platinum in less than one month in the UK and under two months in the US. This was the first album to feature heavy use of keyboards and horns by the band. It was recorded in the Caribbean island of Montessart and, and also Mont, thank you, and also in Quebec. Uh, after having done the previous record, uh, Zenyatta, within a tight deadline of four weeks under pressure from the record company, deliver an album to the market, the band had decided to loosen up more for a change when it came around to recording Ghost in the Machine. This time they spent six weeks uh in the caribbean uh which was also according to drummer stuart copeland a 12-hour flight from the nearest record company and if you're wondering what the band's intentions were sting said uh he wanted a fresh new approach to the music and this is quoted ghost was for us a please yourself record in it we pleased ourselves so it's just <laughs> three guys masturbating in a studio wow. Our last records were experiments in commercialism. I've been obsessed with the idea of coming up with a commercial record. Ghost doesn't have that concern. After our first three albums, we wanted to go as far away from the sound we'd already created. I was determined to play some saxophone. Generally, we wanted it to go off the beaten path to take a fresh new approach and see what happened. Does hearing what he just said change 
the way you look at this record? Well, yes, because like I said, you know, some of this, some of the songs don't work for me, but enough does that it doesn't matter. I mean, and I think that that's, I think that's true of like a lot of bands that I listen to, like not every album is perfect, but at the same time, like it becomes perfect in our memory or like there's a, cause I mean, these are the songs like I was, I was a junior in high school when this album came out. I, I remember like dancing to this at my prom, like, you know, like that to me is, it becomes like the soundtrack of your life. And when you have that, it's, I mean, I, I'm not analyzing it with the same uh, intensity as I do to something I just listened to ten, even 10 years ago. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, there's um, joy to it. No, and, and when, totally. With with reading that, it does change my perspective a little bit on how I feel about it. Does it mean that I still think it's a great record? No. Uh, I do think it's there's three songs that are bangers, and there, there's a couple that that I think there's just a lot that could have been cut. I would have liked some of that poppier stuff. I I'm not saying it's it's not, to say it's the worst. It's like I hate it. I just was like. I just said the second half, the whole, after the first three tracks, it was just every song almost sounded the same. Well, Josh, I have to ask you, like, your, you know, your bar for what you decide to discuss on this podcast is like, I, I feel like I was a little slow. Like, I, I remember going back and forth, like, I'd pick something in my, my, my publicist was like, no, this isn't on the list. Like, you can't just like pick anything you want. So I'm so curious as your process, like why you pick what you pick to discuss and like, what is, what is truly your criteria? Okay, well, I don't choose any of this. It's you the don't? Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. Okay, so you got so them they, to blame. It's so their this fault is, that but that's, about. but but then here and so and so look, everything you just said. It, would I put if I had to create a 500 album list? Would I have put this on here? No, yeah. and. And what I had put this, you know, if, if I was a, voting on the 500 greatest albums for Rolling Stone, because they're getting other people like, you know, music critics and, and uh, the musicians and artists and, and studio execs to like put in their, their top albums and then they create the list from that. You know, this record to be ahead of, of fucking Regatta de Blanc to be ahead care. of synchronicity, to be care. ahead of Outlandis de Amor, yeah. and, and, and to not even have Zenyatta on there. Yeah, I, I, I don't like, all right, here, because like you rank, what are your, do you, and you know all the, the police records? I mean, yes, and uh, no, I don't know all of them. I don't know all of them. I don't know all of them. I mean, I know a lot of their hits, but I don't, I don't, I did not have all their albums. What's your favorite police record? Uh, God, sorry. I, I'm gonna say Regatta de Blanc because I, I, I don't know. I I feel like Walking on the Moon and and um, Message in the Bottom. There's something about that whole era. It just really, I don't know. What is it? Is it era in your life? What yeah, was going I mean, on? Again, I always associate music with like. Sure. You know, what was going on in your life when Regatta de Blanc I was came in out? College, but I feel like I was also. Uh, I I I think it's just like there was definitely a sense of. Um, like, I, I feel like I went in my first couple of years of college. Like, I feel like I, I had some introspective years and I, I was really trying to figure out some big stuff. Um, and this music is part of it. It's just part of it. Yeah. And I, I remember like I was, I, after sophomore year, I wanted to transfer 
after freshman year, I wanted to transfer schools. And my dad said I couldn't unless I got into, unless I already had it set up for the fall. So I had to wait another year. And I was like, I want to get out of here. I want to go to this other school. And I just remember feeling like, okay, I just got to do what I can to be here now. And I don't know. Um, I think I was a lot younger than I thought I was at 18. You know, I, I, I was like, I had no life experience, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that some of this music, like as it's almost like it almost puts me in a dream state, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what, what, and what, and like, what year did you, did you go to school? Like, what, do you have an album that's like similar to you? Like a similar time? Yeah. So I I talk about it all the time. My, I mean, I have, I have albums that changed my life. I have Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses when I was seven. I have, uh, when I was 14, uh, Stone Temple Pilots Core. And then I have when I was 18, 18 years old, when I heard OK Computer by Radiohead, and that made me drop out of school and then backpack through Europe for seven months. So yeah, music and Guns N' Roses, I mean, that changed everything. And then Stone Temple Pilots was like, oh, I can can be in a band. If that that guy can sing, I can be in a band. (sighs) Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like the shadows. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Um, so, so, but the police, like the police, I, I mean, the eight, the music of the eighties, all the stuff I heard when I was growing up, like none of that was like, I mean, I have certain songs that I'm like, oh yeah, like this reminds me of this, but I wouldn't say anything from, from that era besides Guns N' Roses was really like life changing. I, I totally um, get it. I totally get the, it. I also, I also loved King of Pain. Um, King of Pain, you will always be King of Pain. I have a buddy, my buddy, Ryan Sickler, uh, he, we, I was at his house eating, uh, he made, we had like a crab feast and uh, he was, he had all these appetizers and, and he kept bringing out more and more plates. And, and then I just, I kept calling him the king of plates. And so every time I see him, he goes, king of plates, he'll always be king of plates. There's I a love it. I don't. I do, but this is the thing. It's like it's a like Kate. It's like should should Ghost in the Machine be the last police record we're talking about? Because we're going down. Like, does this no, deserve to be? Weird, this is a weird. It's a weird. Uh, it's a weird top five for me. I, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. it. But again, like once you have executives that are in the mix, I'm like, eh. Don't break your arm, pat yourself on the back. I'm just saying, I feel like there's an agenda, you know? There's a little bit of an agenda. Yeah. What is the agenda? It's, I don't know. I mean, 
I feel like their opinion could be based on money or what they made. Oh, remember that was when I bought that boat, honey? I don't know. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Sting. This is Sting wanting a boat. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Adam, Adam, do me a favor and find out the sales for every one of the police records. <laughs> I want to I wanna find out, like, if like how well this did. That would, that would make a lot more sense. That would so, more sense. so much of the material from the record is inspired by Arthur Clesters. If I said that right, the ghost in the machine also provided the title. Um, also, I want to find out what does that mean? The, do you, is that a, that's a book I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling that up now. Pull up what the ghost in the machine is while I, while I pull up some questions and I'm just getting some more other random facts, Kate, about this ghost in the machine. Like they said, sting said, we're using multi-layered tracked vocals, synthesized keyboards and horn riffs to create the impression of something struggling to the surface, something hidden in the recesses of the mind, something from our dark subconscious subconscious wanting to be seen. How much should this make? I'll bet you money talks. That's why it's top five hundred. Well, it reached number ten in Germany, if because we were all wondering how it did in Munich, uh, right. and number twelve in the UK, and number eleven <laughs> in the US in early '82. Oh right. no, no, no! That's spirits in the material oh, world. I fucked up okay. everything right there. That was that was me not paying attention to what I was looking at. Again, right, so while- very similar. I know spirits, ghost machine. It's like it's very. I know. I this is yeah. All right. So aside from spirits in the material world, every little thing she does is magic and invisible sun. What other songs on this album do you really love? Man's really the only other one. They're all so bad. I mean, there's some really, I know there's some bad, I know. What's the other, it's uh, um, hungry for you. Much information. Yeah. I actually do like uh, dehumanize yourself. It's got, uh, but only because I have like a fun memory of dancing to that. I, I don't think it's the best song, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. And I keep saying dehumanize. It's rehumanize. Rehumanize. Because it's about it's about how we can become disconnected from our humanity when placed what? in certain situations, like a police officer who takes on a different persona when he puts on the uniform, or a factory worker who can't see the result of his labor. Oh. God damn you, Sting. <laughs> Just fucking write a song about love, man. Right? What about, oh, I might need an anvil for your message, dude. Oh, he's, he's so, and then, and then, uh, one world, the song refers to the third world countries in need of assistance and advises us that we should all unite together as one world instead of dividing ourselves through geographical lines. Well, sting didn't really work, bro. (laughs) We're not doing good right now. Uh, Geldof had a very short window (laughs) for the help and that was it. Okay. Omega Man. Now, Omega Man, this has got to be, this has got to be an uplifting song. It's got to be. This apocalyptic song was oh, written by the police, Andy Summers, who was inspired by the movie Soylent Green. I mean. <laughs> yet another reason to drink, Josh. But wait, I'm not, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Then you got Secret Journey, which is a quasi mystical song about uh, I don't. There's nothing fun about that one. But darkness, <laughs> darkness. That's that's a positive song. Jesus, it discusses the negative aspects about being famous. That's the album. That's what. That's what. But then, what is Demolition Man about? So Demolition Man is about this cop that gets frozen, and 
<laughs> re-unfrozen in the year 2042 and Taco Bell's taken over and and there's this guy played by Wesley Snipes who has got yellow hair and man is he fucking shit up and they need to re-get they need to reheat Sylvester Stallone and get him to fucking <laughs> I love that movie. Can we just, you know, you know what would be even better, Kate? How about you and I? Yes. We do a live Patreon screening of the movie Defolition Man, and we just riff throughout of it. We just riff it. That sounds awesome. Like, you mean like Mystery Science Theater 2000? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, is Hungry for You, okay. I mean, Demolition Man, I'll give it to that. But besides that, I, I just, yeah. I don't find anything. Adam, you got the, the other album sales? So in the United States, ranking one through five, Synchronicity, Ghost in the Machines, and Yada Mandata, Outlandos, and Regatta, one to five. Wow. What was one? Synchronicity. Synchronicity. Wow. And Ghost in the Machine barely beat out Zenyatta uh, Mandata. Wow. Well, you you have to think, you have to think, Kate, is that as they got bigger and and then CD sales and shit like that, and, you know, it's by the, it's, that's it, what it always, I, I kind of would have figured that, because it's not like, Right. It's not like they they their you know their music might have changed, but their hits they still had hits on every one of those records. That and, that, that, and that, they drive they used to drive around like they, when they first got here, like they were driving themselves to gigs. Like they had a they had it. It was like a real experience. They were not they did not arrive as as kings to the U.S. Like they still had to work. They had to hustle. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it, it was. But when it blew up, yeah. It yeah. blew up. But you know, I mean, I always like a story when, but like, it's it's sort of like, you know, those um uh those documentaries about big bands. Like there's one about um uh the Eagles and the first half, I fucking love the first half of it because it's like they weren't famous, they were clunky, they're figuring out. Second half, they're rich and all they do is bitch about like all their rich problems. It's like, ugh, I, I just- yeah. But the beginning story is always much more interesting to me. Oh, much more interesting. Much yeah. more interesting. Uh, so this is, I just found out, Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic was the first demo Sting ever played for his bandmates. It was originally an acoustic ballad he wrote while the police were known as Strontium 90. Yep. Thank God you changed it. Uh, <laughs> is it surprising to you that it took until their fourth record for this very catchy song to make it on a recording? I probably not because I think that it it is it almost feels like a progression. I feel like it the production value is probably better than they would have done before because I feel like they they kind of got they figured something big out with those other hits. Yeah. No, I well I mean let's let me let me see if we can like put that until into into your career as well. It's like did you have any characters or anything that you had created early on that just took time for them to really like come to fruition and you really figure out the voice oh, of them? I'm like the biggest late bloomer in the world. Yeah, no, totally. I was always playing goofballs and like people are like, "Yeah, thanks a lot. No thanks." So, yeah, no, it took till I was 40 uh to uh to get the office and to get to do oh, you know, get to be a weirdo like Meredith, which is like Yeah. spot. So I say, you know, um, don't peek too soon. Just take your time. Take your time. No. What, so, so the uh, so the character, the character of Meredith, the, was that someone that you had? Because you said you always played weird characters, but was, was there somebody that was? Like I've I've totally waited on a million Merediths in my life. I know, like the female drunk at that. I mean, I I you know I definitely know. Yeah. I'm yeah. definitely more apologetic than Meredith. Meredith has no shame whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but it's also like this thing where you know you get to be. You know, 
I remember like sometimes my lines would get cut the first couple of seasons and I'd be like, oh, is everything okay? And then I'm like, no, I still got to laugh. It's like, I'm still as present because I get to do the physical comedy and that's what I've always done. So I, I feel like it was a great sweet spot for me, you know? So you knew those, you knew those Merediths? Oh, like, yeah, I used to wait on some of them. Yeah. My dad and I, we would bond all the time about, you know, cause I waited, I waited on tables until up and through the first season of the office. I used to work at a restaurant in Beverly Hills. Which one? Kate Mantellini was on, on uh, Wilshire Boulevard. And it was everybody, like a lot of old stars, a lot of new stars. It was like everybody sports figures. I mean, it was so many people, um, just so many famous people. Do you mind? This is a this is a weird question for me to ask, yeah. but do you do you do you remember how you so you booked the office and then you quit? No, how I didn't quit right away. I kept my restaurant job through the first season because I just covered my shift story. Oh yeah, yeah. My Sunday brunch. Oh and then my once god. Once we got picked out for season two, I waited until like the week before we started shooting before I quit. And then my boss said we were going to get you a cake, but you'll be back. <laughs> oh, god. A lot of people that were like, I'm out. And then they would come back like a year later, you know. Oh, I know too many of those people. I did that. I did that. The second I made money, I bought a Porsche. I was like, ah, fuck all y'all. <laughs> I, like, I sold a TV show. I bought a Rolex. Like I was like, this money will never end. <laughs> Ever. Right? Uh, oh my God. Crazy. What was what was the first thing you did? What was the first thing you bought when you knew? I have like, what was the first, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Where you were like, okay, I, I feel like money's going to be coming in. The show's doing well. What's the I, most, I bought a condo. That's like the first thing I bought. I kind of waited, but nice. I, I got a condo. Yeah. 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 Um, where I still live. And it's only like six blocks from where I used to live. So it's the same neighborhood. You know, it's, it's you know, you're know. Philly, dude. You, you are yeah, Philly trash. Right? Now nah, you're Philly trash. Just like, just like um, my mom. You know, you know, like, you know, but also like I wasn't young. So like I saw people make a lot of really stupid mistakes. So, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I, I, I'm conservative, but I'm also generous, but I figure out what to do with my money. I don't sure. have a huge place with a pool. That's not my deal, but um, I get the people to do, but uh, also being a woman in comedy, you know, the guys get like one, two, three, four, hit 30, here for the women, one or two, and then another 30 for the gentleman. And then, yeah. I mean, we just don't, we're not in the same opportunity. We just, we just don't get the same. No, I, I get it. No, I get it. And I, and I can imagine, I trust me. I can imagine. And I, and I, I love how smart that is to be like, and it, and it does. I think maybe that is a Pennsylvania thing where you're like, where you're just like, man, I've seen people, you know, go on to do shit and they've either they've lost it or, or whatever. So it's like to be sometimes making it when you get older. I mean, dude, I didn't start making until I was 36 where I was really like making good money, but right. I really didn't learn about money until I hit like, and so like when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh yeah, this, this, <laughs> this, this could change. Right. I, I wouldn't have thought that, that, uh, you know, if somebody would have told me infectious disease was what was going to stop my money from coming in, I would have been like, I would have been like, really? It's not like my crippling fentanyl addiction from years before. No. Oh, okay. It's, it's a disease. Okay. Um, so I, what, what are the things, do you have any other lessons that you've learned as making it like somebody a little bit older? Well, I also feel like, you know, acting is only one way to make money and yeah. there's other ways to, you know, I feel like you always have to be a business person and you have to be creative and be open. And, uh, and I, I was never one to like, just wait for the phone to ring, you know? So I was either like doing my comedy act. I also toured with Jane Lynch. I do voiceover. Like I just do everything I can. And, and, uh, and then I'm, I'm, but I'm happy to, you know, I'm happy to do it all. It's, it's a gift. And I think I, I really hustle and I, I, 
I work a lot and I'm happy to, but again, like, I feel like anybody that thinks you just have to sit back and wait for the money to roll in, like so few people are in that situation and people that used to be in that situation that can shift at any moment. And yeah. uh, it's hard to get your groove back if you're out of it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I know a hundred percent. Tell me, please tell me you're at least able now to just kind of breathe and, and oh, enjoy. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm great. No, no, no. I'm, I'm really great. I, don't get me wrong. I, I'm great. I just, uh, I just feel like for me, I have such a, a intense work ethic that I like to be busy. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, and I also feel like it's great to give back to the fans. The office fans are insane and wonderful. Insane. And they I mean, eat, sleep and breathe the show. It's like a culture. I mean, I get recognized the back of my head, like with a mask on. I have like, you know, like a Halloween costume. Like it's you, you know, it's crazy. What's the craziest thing an office fan has done uh, while meeting you? or whatever just say if they made you something I have, I have gotten pulled into uh wedding photos at the four seasons hotel and i'm sure the bride was like what the fuck you know i was I, I was wearing like a t-shirt and a jacket like i was not even dressed up yeah and they had me between the bride and the groom i'm like this is not good but yeah good luck to you i don't know if they're still together but good luck to you but there's but you're you're on an obsession show yeah. Like you're not, you're not on a regular like night court. You know what I mean? Like the off and nothing against night court, big ups to everybody on that. John, Dan Lair, John Larroquette sure, played, Lair played Dan. He, yes. You're a genius. I love you. Bull, the whole Marshall Warfield. Oh, I, I, when I met her, I was like, I'm just. Uh, right. You know what? So it's funny. I had a general meeting with uh, like all the casting people from NBC back in 2000 and 13 and i remember the first thing i said they were like so like you know like what do you you know what do you know about nbc i was like oh, i love it and blah 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 i was like can you guys you know bring back night court that show ruled man like and they were just like what you they just they did a pilot last year i guess it didn't go they tried really? to do, they tried to reboot it but didn't go well, I can't I, it. well, well let's talk about that because because look the office is a reboot of a perfect show sure the fact that they nailed it. Did you know right away when you had gotten the office? No, 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 not, not like it was going to be big, but did you look, I mean, cause you're looking around I knew, the room. I knew, I knew the British version. I loved it. I loved it. I was nervous that we weren't going to get it right. Well, you know? that's what I'm saying. But when you saw the cast and the people that you had assembled around you, were you able to be like, you know, look, it's never up to us. Like it's still up to the audience, but man, we have a fighter's shot with this yeah, the cast. The first time I saw an edited version, I was like, holy crap, I knew this was gonna be good. This is even better than I even imagined. Yeah. I mean, I was so, I was so excited about it. I, I really was, but I, I wasn't excited enough to quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know, you got that voice in your head, that Philly voice, just like, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. Don't don't be Carson Wentz. Be Nick Foles. Be Nick Foles. <laughs> well, yeah, there was a guy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer that was uh, I worked at the restaurant. Like a, he quit like a year before I like a year before I got this. And he, uh, yeah, so I remember like somebody, you know, and he he did well, but then I think he had a drug problem later. So oh. I know. Oh, so yeah. I know. It's sad. It's sad. It's sad. It's sad. You just don't want to be that guy. I don't. You yeah. don't want to be that guy. I don't want to um, be that guy. No. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Who no. made you? Who made you break the most on set? Like, what made you? Who made I was you break not character? A big breaker, but I was always completely 
uh, surprised and delighted by uh, Steve Carell's brain. He could say the same thing, but say it differently or do something physically different that would just be like, holy shit, like this guy is a genius. This guy is a genius. I knew him at Second City. We were there at the same time, but I, I wasn't in the same cast. We were in different cast, but I knew him and I knew how funny he was, but man, wow, that guy. And what a brain. They could totally switch the week around. He had more to say than anybody. He could learn it quickly. He could do it. Like I, he is, he is amazing. He yeah. earned every, I mean, he deserves, I think he deserves an Academy Award because I think, I think he's going to make a movie. He'll get it. No, he will. He will. You get, he's, he's doing, he's a phenomenal actor and yeah. the stuff he's done in, his, in the dramatic world where you're kind of like, yeah, he's, He's, you know, he's probably not gonna, he's Steve Carell, but then it's, it's just like he, when you can act like that and he can oh, yeah. be Michael so easily and he's so Michael that you, that you have to be, and, and that's, dude, that's for all of you. I don't want to, I'm not, dude, you as well. It's like, you're seeing you and meeting you. I see where the character comes from and hearing the Philly stuff, but you still have to be able to create this character and live in that you know, for the hours that you're shooting. And well, it's that's true. And you know what they, they did the first season, they told us to bring actual paperwork so we could look busy. So the camera, if they caught us <laughs> start to work, it'd be like, you're already working. So we had like fake paperwork on the set that I would sort of create little patterns. Of. So nuts. So like meta, but like, I get it. It's like, you don't want to be, you don't want to suddenly turn on when you feel the camera near you because some, they wanted the cameras to be able to improvise. So we had to be in it all the time. Yeah. And I loved that. I just, I thought that was such a great exercise and just spoke to, you know, kind of the genius of what really made it work because we're all like committed. I mean, to, to find out now that you might've been doing your taxes in some of those scenes. <laughs> and then I, when I, then our, like our computers worked second season. So like I had to keep dumping out of the internet. So that's why I was always playing solitaire because my screen kept getting caught. <laughs> So, so you always see me playing solitaire, but I also feel like that's a stupid Meredith thing to do. Like it's a Meredith thing, dude. That's I do the, the she's the fucking right? getting tanked. Yeah, she's hungover. Um, speaking of Meredith, speaking of Meredith, and because we, we have to somehow talk about the police, even though I feel like we already have done enough about this record, everybody. <laughs> um, what if would would Meredith be a fan of the police? And uh, what would one her favorite all time police song be? Or two, what would be her favorite song on this record? Uh, I would say uh, Meredith would totally be a fan of The Police. Um, uh, and I think Roxanne would be like a total, I mean, right? You don't have to put on the red light. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, no, dude, she's at the bar. She's fucking hammered. Like, just like. <laughs> shame. There is no shame. No, there's no shame. She's the most unapologetic character on TV. No, who cares? She's like, oh, turn up, Roxanne! Right? right. <laughs> would, would Meredith like this record, or she'd hate it? Sure. I, I, I don't know if she'd love this album, um, but every little thing is, it's catchy enough, you know. You can uh, ask somebody to dance at Poor Richards, even if there's no dance floor, right? Come yeah. On, right? Let's go. Yeah. All right, we've got some Patreon questions, uh, and then, uh, dude, you rule. You rule, Kate. What? Adam, Adam. Both we're both in agreement. Absolutely, without you guys totally rule. I, I feel like I don't know shit about fuck. But you don't have to. You don't. Do you think I do? Do you think I do? First of all, and this brings us into the first Patreon question. Maybe I am a little biased about why I don't like this record, because okay. as Roger Downs has written for another question in honor of the genre Josh loves so much, which I hate more than anything, and I talk about it all the time. White people reggae music. 
white reggae. Uh, I'm sorry. You got two good bands. I'll give them to you. And I'll even throw in UB40. You have the police and you have the clash. Um, but <laughs> the, the first question by, by Roger is, do you like white people reggae music? And, and you cannot get canceled for this because there is that's a genre of music. Uh, um, I don't because I, 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 UB40 bugs the shit out of me. Always really? Has. Always has. Always has. Don't, don't, get it. don't get it. I kind of like them. I mean, <laughs> kind of. I don't know why. Sorry. No, they're not, it's not my, no, white, white reggae is not my thing. No. Would, no. would you, would, do you know, do you know these groups? He wants to know if, like, how you would rank the police with UB40, Sublime, Rebulation, Slightly Stupid, and Big Mountain. I don't know any of those other bands. I'm so sorry. Good. Uh, but you don't, thing, you don't uh, have the to. Thing about the police is that I know that they're like, they're not just trying to do one form. It's like they at least have an evolution going on. So it's not so annoying. It's not yeah. so like, this is white reggae. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 311, worst band of all time. Don't ever listen to them. Right? I'm going to beat my head. <laughs> all right. This is from Jeremy Brinling. Every little thing she does is magic is such an amazing compliment. What is the greatest compliment you've ever received and who is it from? Uh, God damn it. You know what? I, I, Jane Lynch and I did, uh, an interview show together. Jane and I perform together. Uh, we do a concert, we do a Christmas concert, a non-Christmas concert regularly, because we did a Christmas album together called A Swingin' Little Christmas. And recently we were interviewed, it was December. No, it was on the Kelly Clarkson show. And they asked her, like, if you could work with anybody, wh who's your favorite person to work with? And she said me. And she really? has worked with Meryl Streep. I'm like, what? So I, yeah, I don't know you what, I don't know why, but she said no, that. You know, That's you know right. exactly why, Kate. And and as a comic, you you because there are like there are people that we that you can just, especially comedically, that you are just connected with, and you read their mind, and, and, and they're true. reading Gina yours. And I definitely have that. We've shared enough stage time that like you know the ball is never dropped ever ever. You're always like of of like mind. You're, yeah, yeah, and, and so and, and those and those relationships are very very special because you don't have them with every comic. Everywhere. Yeah, this is true. This is yeah, true. So, still, I was so, still like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> mind blown. Yeah. All right, this one's another. Dude, Jeremy, we have like four, Jeremy. I'm gonna give you one more. Okay. But I like this question. Okay. Uh, so Sting said about Invisible Sun. I wanted to show show some light at the end of the tunnel. I do think there has to be an invisible sun. You can't always see it, but there has to be something radiating light into our lives. So this is the question. So when times are tough, who or what has been your own invisible sun? Uh, good question. My dad. My dad has been. Uh, he's he's always like the optimist. He's oh, I mean, my dad. He's been through a lot. He was a prisoner of war for over a year. Uh, he's father of seven like he he owned this bar he used to own the rooms above the bar he would let some of these guys if they couldn't pay the rent he'd let them work it off like just like a good guy good guy uh and i feel like my dad's always been that ray of hope uh and and just like this constant steady sense of consistent love yeah you know and he's irish and he he makes a great drink What's his first name? 
Um, Tom Flannery. Tom Flannery. Flannery. Good old Tommy. Does he does he still own the bar? He still does. No, they sold. He sold the. They sold the bar a while ago. So he stopped working at eighty-seven, and now he's ninety-eight. So oh, God bless Jesus him. Christ! <laughs> I know it's crazy. <laughs> My God, what a life, dude! Ninety-eight. Does he still drink? He does not still drink. No, because oh. he's afraid of. Uh, he doesn't want it to. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I get it. No, I get it. Um, let me ask you this though: Can you tell right, us where? Oh. Huh? Cigar. So that's good. Oh, good. There you have to. You yeah, have to have some cigar, cigar, cigar. Sorry, cigar, cigar. <laughs> You're <Sorry>. like cigar. <laughs> I'm right here on the side of the. T- Watch the video to get to get that joke, everybody, because it was great. Um, what? Where can you tell us where the bar is so people can make the uh, the Kate Flannery trip? Uh, it it was in the, the Germantown section of Philadelphia, uh, right by Wayne Junction train station. Yeah. You want to know what's crazy? This is what's so crazy that you just said that is so i was born in the washington dc area in montgomery county maryland in a city called germantown what yeah and my mom yeah my mom and everybody they're from the philadelphia like it's montgomery county right yeah. and germantown is like a, is a town in the philly area right uh yeah it is it is that's so crazy insanity <laughs> insanity <laughs> Uh, Jeremy, hold on. Do we have another one from Jeremy? We have a long one. You should never be a douchebag. You, we are all related. We are all connected. We all know everybody. Yeah. But you should never be a douchebag. Just don't, listeners, don't be douchebags. Don't do it. You know, like if you see, if you see Kate chilling, approach calmly. Yes. And if you see Sting, be nice. Be nice to Sting. And Sting, be nice to people. I don't know why. I don't know if he's a douche. I don't know. I've never... I've waited on Bono and The Edge, but I've never waited on Sting. What was I, that I, like? What did they eat? Uh, they had like pasta. This was a long time ago. Glass of Chardonnay. I'll have another glass of Chardonnay, <laughs> mister. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes, you, the redhead. Could you get me another glass of, um, of some, uh, some ethically manufactured Merlot? <laughs> like, I want to know that no grapes were hurt. They, they juiced to themselves. And the God I pray to, mister, isn't short of cash. I used to have one of my first jokes on stage that actually worked was uh, was Bono at an orgy. And it's just like, because everything, I, and it would just be me comparing sex moves to something political in the world, because that's how we would do it. He'd be like, you know, he's like, I'm doing doggy style to raise awareness for the ASPCA. <laughs> like, only okay. the next month. It was a good joke. I bring that back. All right, last question from Eric, and then we'll do rapid fires. Uh, dude, you rule. Um, this is from Eric Fletcher. It looks like this is the highest ranking police album on the list. Four out of five of their studio records from the 2012 list are not bad. This one is my favorite, but didn't have as many hits as Synchronicity. Why do you think this one ranked much higher? Uh, you got me. I have no, seriously, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand how these things are ranked, obviously. Yeah. Uh, don't act me. So I, what, here, here's what I'll, I'll say, uh, Eric, and I think that's a good question. Even though Kate just poo-pooed it, Sorry. I mean, Sorry. it is a good question. <laughs> I, right, so I don't have the expertise. In, in, in Kate's defense, right before we started uh, started recording, you were like, "I was like, dude, I'm so excited." Like, well, you won't be excited ten minutes into this when I don't know anything about the police. Anything. I know, right? Um, so I, I, you know. 
I, I really don't know why this is ranked higher. Uh, I don't think it should be. I feel like uh, some of the other records that I've listened to, I think they're, I think their first record should have been uh, the last one. I really do. Everything on that record is perfect. I love the sound and it was different than anything that might've been out at that time. And I'm not saying there's not some stuff on here that's a little, that's different, but you know, unless this world music influence like was not, like a thing in 1982, 83, like then, then, then I, cause if that's the case and there's not, and then this record came out, okay. It, it created a genre of music. Besides that, I do not feel it deserves. I know Kate agrees with me. Adam is the dickhead that thinks that uh, it should be ranked. It's ranked accordingly. Am I right? I wouldn't say it's ranked accordingly, but cause I think synchronicity is a better album, but I, there are bad spots on the album, but I don't think it's as bad as you make it out to be. Well, I also I did you you said I don't I don't stink synchronicity. Did you hear that, everybody? I don't stink synchronicity. <laughs> Should be right where it is. Freudian slip, Adam. Yeah, dude. Stink. I heard it. I heard it, I heard it dude. All right, rapid fire questions. We'll get you out of here. Um, favorite song on this record? Uh, every little thing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say, I'm going to do mine too. Yeah. So mine's definitely every little thing. Uh, least favorite song on the record. Oh my God. Uh, uh, which is, um, uh, I have to look at it cause I can't remember. I blocked it so bad. Holy shit. Um, Jesus Christ. You humanize yourself. Uh, no, she liked oh, that I, one. I, she liked that one. Yourself. I hate, um, what's it? The, uh, Omega, Omega Man. I'm at all. Secret journey. There's so many bad. I mean, there's a few in a row. Darkness? No thanks. I'm I'm gonna go with um, with Omega Man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not. All right. I ask every person this, every single person. Um, what song on this record would you fuck to? <laughs> well, um, first of all, I'm already taken. Thank you so much, Josh. Okay. I really appreciate <laughs> that. But, uh, but I'm sure my boyfriend's gonna be listening to this. Uh He's taking uh, notes. He's like, all right, so it's going to be rehumanize yourself. So I'll get the playlist set up, <laughs> put that on by the end of the uh, track. Like it's in the material world. It's kind of sexy. There's a little catchy thing. It's got a lot um, of. I think I'm going to do Invisible Sun. Okay. That's a good I think one. I'm going to do Invisible Sun. Okay. Um, just because. We're never going to do it. We're never going to, because we don't. Yeah, we don't match. We don't match. We don't match. Tell your boyfriend. You'd be like, just so I, you know, he I picked fucking this. He picked Invisible Sun. Um, and then last question, and I, I, I'm just very curious. You you have do you have a story? Uh, what's your favorite story from working on The Office? Uh, gosh, favorite moment. So many. so many. I bet I can only imagine. I know that's such a broad question, but I know that the fans are. I'm interested. You know, I don't know if you guys know this. I did a lot of my own stunts, um, which kind of happened as an accident. Because when we shot Fun Run, we had already shot it, and it looked like when Michael Scott hits Meredith with his car, I looked like a speed bump, but yeah. just like under the car. And then we we're like, it didn't quite work, and so the, they had me like weeks later. I rolled on top of the hood of the car, hit the glass, and then fell off the car like on a giant mat, which had much more impact. <laughs> yeah, much funnier. Um, but um, there's a scene <laughs> in Moroccan Christmas where Michael Scott drags Meredith into rehab, and we actually got to, it was a only time that I, my whole time on the show, everything was so written. That scene in the parking lot was not written. And we got to improvise the whole chase scene into the, uh, into rehab. So 
like even the vocals, like we, we were literally like running around like crazy. And we had two people dressed like us, stunt doubles in the corner in case one of us got hurt. <laughs> so fun, so worth it. I say, so great. You do your it's, own stunt, do it, do it's it. It's so great. Yeah. You, you, you listen, person, right? I, I, I mean it, like it's, 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 it's a great show. And I think the story though, of, of everything, of how you, of what you did to get there and then to not even quit your job till the second season, I mean. I used to wait on the directors and the producers, they come in, they were like, oh, I didn't know you worked here. Oh my gosh, this is, yeah. While you were on the show. Yeah, and then our showrunner was like, he totally ignored the fact that I was wearing a uniform. He's like, I gotta talk to you about that healthcare episode because I know you improvised this one line, you said the word vagina and I'm trying to talk to NBC about, like, I love that he, we could, I could have run into him in a parking lot. He had no, he had no opinion about me working. It was awesome. That's great, that's great. Do you ever go back there to eat? They're, they closed about five years ago, but I, I was back many times. Yeah. yeah but, <laughs> it's funny, all the douchebags that I went on who were awful to me, all they did was want to talk my ear off. And I'm like, you know what? Do you think I don't remember that you talked? I mean, like that you literally treated me like gum on your shoe. I don't, yeah. I never spit in your food because I think it's bad karma, but I'm not going to sit and talk to you for 25 minutes. Like, bye bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Uh, Kate. I, I can't thank you Gosh, enough for coming on. You no, rule, you dude. So you really thank do. Please, so please promote away. Please, anything you want to promote, social, whatever. Oh, oh, oh! I'm, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I'm at the real Kate Flannery on Twitter. I'm at Kate Flannery. I'm barely on Facebook, but I'm Kate Flannery on Facebook, and uh, uh, and I might soon be on Twitch. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but I have. All right, you, you rule. Thank you, Kate. You rule. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, love. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Kate Flannery. Follow her on Instagram at the real Kate Flannery and follow her on Twitter at Kate Flannery. Follow her. She's awesome. For listener shout out, Eddie underscore the underscore realtor. He left for a little bit, but now he's back and he sends me these videos where he's like, hey man, I'm fucking back here, dude. I ain't leaving this shit. So if you need a licensed real estate broker in the Oregon area, Hit up, Eddie. I love you, Eddie. Keep listening, dude. All right. For new music, we have Walk the Moon. Walk the Moon. Uh, who, they got their name from the police song Walking on the Moon. You're listening to Fire in Your House off their 2021 record, Heights. And go to the website to find more. If you're in a band, guys, just send us your songs. Send us your music. I will... Play it. I don't even give a shit. It has anything to do with this record. Just give us your music and I will play it. Um, I don't care if it's good or bad. Just send it and we will play it. Uh, And then you can go to the500podcast.com to find it. Next week, it's Randy Newman week and it's a good record. It's 1972 Sail Away. Do your homework. It's a goodie doogle.
Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, 
think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Next Chapter Podcasts.